you're good to go. Welcome to the Nickel Package. I'm Rob Pizzola. This is the wild card round of the NFL playoffs. Last weekend, a little bit disappointing, 2-3 and three against the spread, but overall, a very good year, 48-34-3 against the spread, 58% success rate. So I've enjoyed the year thus far, looking forward to breaking down these four NFL games this weekend. Now, normally, I would record my plays first, but we're going to do it a little bit differently this week as we discuss the four plays. Uh, I'm not big on any of these games, so I'll be talking with Joe Fornbaugh of the National Football Post. We'll break down each specific one and try to come to some consensus on each game so let's get that started right now joe fornbaugh the national football post now joins me on the line joe how are the holidays uh, i hope you're enjoying some football uh, while you're sitting down eating some turkey stuff in your face and drinking some wine uh, but let's get back on track let's win some this weekend yeah it's been going well happy new year to all the listeners out there it's uh, it's been a fun ride this year on the podcast looking forward to taking it into 2014 um on new year's day i actually got up real early and went for a run because i told myself wow. i'm gonna start this year on the right note i'm going for a run so i pulled off the run then i drank about three champagne bottles worth of mimosas ate candy and cookies all day long and completely ruined the whole thing but it's, it's good for me right now i feel like i'm off to a hot start the important thing though is to, to do the run again on january 2nd did you do that <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where I'm, I'm I'm running into a bit of a problem. <laughs> All right, Joe. Let's get started. Saturday, Chiefs and Colts. That's 4:30 p.m. Eastern time. Indy minus two and a half. The total of 46. Now these teams played each other a couple of weeks ago. No one gave the Colts much of a chance of winning that game. They were seven point underdogs in that game. They won outright. They did it in very convincing fashion. Now I like to set my own lines for games before I see the spreads come out. I set this line at Indy minus two and a half. I don't see a ton of value, but I do lean with the Colts at home just because of the way KC faltered down the stretch. They played a lot of good opponents late in the year. They didn't really play well in those games. Indy's been a pretty strong home team under Andrew Luck. I'm going to lean with the Colts in this game, Joe. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of this, and I'm not sure I'm going to be playing it come kickoff, because when I saw the initial line, my, my first reaction from the gut was Kansas City. I said, I'll take the points. I think they win that game on the road. And the more I dig into this, the more I don't like Kansas City, and I'm starting to lean towards Indy. So I'm going to have to find something here if I'm going to want to play this game. What's interesting is this game, like the other three we're going to talk about, there's been virtually no line movement. Good, good numbers from the books, because no one's hammering these either way. Uh, what worries me about Kansas City is a variety of things. Red Hot start 11-5. and five season, but they lost five of seven down the stretch. Um, I understand it was the B squad at San Diego last week. I also understand it may have been a bit of a vanilla playbook against Indianapolis two weeks ago, knowing they were probably going to travel to Indy to play this game in the playoffs. But I really don't like what this team has done. I mean, for as hot as that defense was early, they faltered down the stretch. The pass rush has been non-existent. They're giving up way too many points. And I'm not sure if I want Alex Smith as my quarterback on the road in a big playoff game. On the other side of the ball, you've got an Indianapolis team that, since losing Reggie Wayne, has been a bit erratic. They've beaten up on some of the bad teams they've lost some good games um you know it's just it's tough to get a beat on them late but they're gritty and they're 12 and 4 at home against the spread Mm -hmm. 13 and 3 straight up since drafting Andrew Luck so this is a team that plays well at home which is why at the moment I'm leaning towards Indianapolis but it's a real tough game to get a beat on um I could see Kansas City winning this game what's interesting is if I look at the total I'm not sure which way to lean there I do think over on first gut reaction because Kansas City's defense hasn't been that great and I do think 
think they'll find ways to score some points. I'm very hesitant to play overs in the NFL playoffs, the same reason I am during uh, the bowl season as well. We see the public loving to play overs, and a lot of money is coming in on these games uh, You know, uh, because they're, they're more heavily bet with less games being on the board uh, throughout the playoffs. So I do think the overs are a little bit high in every game this week, but you look at the Chiefs' defense, you take out their Week 14 game against the Redskins, in, in, this, in the last six games they played without that game in the equation, they've given up 184 points. That's 30.6 points per game. So the Chiefs' defense is giving up a lot of points and a lot of yardage as well when you look at those games. So I would agree with the over there, Joe. Yeah, and not only that, if Indy gets a lean in this, or a lead, I should say, in this game, it's not like they can sit back and rest on the running game. They don't have much of a running game. I know Donald Brown's kind of reemerged this season, and some people have been impressed with what he what he's done. But let's remember, this guy's a first round pick from a few years back. It shouldn't take four years or whatever it's been for us to look at this guy and say, hey, he's playing some decent football. In addition, the, the trade for Trent Richardson, while it's produced a few touchdowns over the last few weeks, hasn't been very good overall. So I don't know if this is a team that's going to be able to go to the running game and try to drain that clock. I think we're going to see a lot of throwing on their end of the field. So overall, at the moment, I don't have much of a lean. I would say that if you like Indy, you probably want to play it at two and a half and not risk having this thing get to three, because I, I would have to assume that if this game goes one way or another, the public would probably get involved and take the Colts and possibly push it to three. But very interesting to me that not one of these four games has seen any significant movement this week. Um, I'm wondering if some of the sharper guys are lying in the weeds waiting to see what's going to happen, or I wonder if anyone, uh, just if these guys just can't figure out which sides they want to get on. Yeah, I think it's the second, to be honest. I, I, I think that um, these lines are pretty sharp this week. I look at them up and down, and we'll get to some other games coming up, obviously, but um, I, don't, I don't see much value when I first looked at the games. Uh, one, one side note on this game, Joe, the, the Chiefs this year, they won a lot of games early in the year because of turnovers. They led the league in turnover ratio. They were plus 22. The Colts' offense actually committed the fewest turnovers in the league this year, only 14 turnovers in their 16 games. Kansas City's predicated on being able to, to force those turnovers. If they don't get them in this game, they're probably not going to win. And, and that's my biggest factor in leaning to Indianapolis. Excellent point, and another one to throw in here as well. Kansas City is an outdoor grass team. This is their first dome game of the season. That's going to be a lot of crowd noise that they're not used to in this one, and a different surface and a different environment. Not to say these guys have never played in a dome before, but when you spend all season playing outdoors and now suddenly in the playoffs, you're going indoors to play a team that's very good at home. That's something we got to keep in mind. All right, Joe, let's move from one tough game to another, in my opinion. We got the Saturday night game between the Saints and the Eagles. Now, the Eagles got in last week, obviously, with that win on Sunday night football against the Cowboys. Close game, but ultimately, they get it done. They get in the playoffs, and they host a game against the Saints. That's been uh, pretty unpopular amongst the masses this week, whether or not the division winners should be able to host the games. But nevertheless, they're at home. We've seen the Saints struggle on the road this year. I think this is a good line. But I do lean to New Orleans as an underdog. There's just something about getting Breeze as an underdog. And, and we know New Orleans has struggled on the road. But you look at Breeze's numbers. His numbers are insanely good at home. 27 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. When you look at his road numbers, they're not bad road numbers. They're actually still very good. They're just not as crazy good as he is at home. I don't think Philly has the defense to keep New Orleans' offense off the, uh, off the field or, excuse me, out of the end zone. I would lean to New Orleans getting the points and playing the money line with the Saints in this game. 
you're not the only guy who's made that point about taking points with Drew Brees. Um, and I'm not saying that some other some idiot brought it up. I'm saying some guys in Vegas, that's where they're leaning as well, taking points with a quarterback in Drew Brees. What worries me is that we, we, we don't need to get into detail on how bad the Saints can play on the road outdoors. We, we've done it all year. Everyone's aware of it at this point. Um, Brees' numbers, like you said, they don't become that bad. The problem is the defense – can't get stops on the road. And they're, now they're down Kenny Vaccaro, the rookie safety out of Texas, who they lost two weeks ago. They have sustained so many injuries on that side of the ball. To me, I, I mean, it's just another testament to how great of a job Rob Ryan's done with all the players they've lost defensively mm-hmm. this year. They're going to go up to Philadelphia, and here's the thing that I like about the Eagles. And I'm not sure if I'm going to bet it, but Philly, they were riding that five-game winning streak. They go to Minnesota, they get punched in the mouth. They have to reassess. They have to stop getting arrogant. So then they hammer the Bears at home. They find a way to get it done at Dallas. Nick Foles did not look that great in the Dallas game last week. I know the stat line looks impressive, but they yep. took the ball out of hands, his hands late in that game and went with LaShawn McCoy. I think Chip saw that he was being hesitant in the pocket. He wasn't making quick decisions. The big spot got to him a little bit. I think now that he's got those jitters out of the way and he's, and he's moving into the playoffs at home, I think this is a pretty good spot for him. I think he's going to play a little bit better uh, than what we saw last week. And again, he put up some pretty solid numbers last week. I just thought he was tentative down the stretch. I also think LaShawn McCoy is going to play a huge game, huge factor here, and have a huge game against a defense that's very poor against the run on the road. But again, that being said, you look at New Orleans offense. Yes, they're coming outdoors to play on grass. Yes, the weather's going to be bad, and that's not going to favor them. But when you look at what they do offensively with Jimmy Graham, the Eagles linebackers, even though Michael Kendricks has had a pretty good season, the linebackers in the safety play is not very solid. Not at all. And if they don't generate a lot of pressure on Drew Brees, he's going to be able to pick them apart. Jimmy Graham could have a very big day. So I look at this game, I know some people are thinking about the over. Um, You know, personally, I don't, I was leaning to Philly early in the week. I'm not sure if I'm actually going to get to it. Again, this is a real tough game. I want to take the Eagles, but they just, uh, you look at the schedule, they didn't beat anybody this year. Dallas was an an 8-8 team without their starting quarterback. The Bears weren't a playoff team, and everybody else that they've beaten, not very good. So it's tough to figure how they're going to stack up against a team that, despite struggles on the road, hasn't played very or is much better than what Philadelphia's uh, beaten this season. Yeah, the only team I can remember that they beat that was actually decent was Arizona. I remember that game because I had the Eagles at home, but I also remember that game because Nick Foles threw an interception, uh, I believe on his own 20, that got called back for a horrible penalty, or else Arizona could have won that game in Philadelphia. So I agree with that point. And about Foles, you know, Foles is a good quarterback, and and I do think the Eagles have definitely found something for the future. A lot of people were questioning it earlier in the year, but I think he's proven himself, obviously, with that touchdown-to-interception ratio. But the one knock on Foles, um, you know, from from a scouting perspective, is that when he's under pressure, he tends to take his eyes off downfield, he'll put his eyes down, he loses his receivers down the field, so he doesn't, you know, fare well against teams that, that... put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Dallas was able to do that last week, and the Saints have one of the best pass rushes in the league we've seen this year. I believe they finished fourth in sacks this season in the NFL. They can put pressure on Foles, and I think he'll struggle in that spot or struggle to find receivers down the field. Also, another thing to look at is quarterbacks making their first start uh, in the playoffs. And you look at the last 17 quarterbacks that have made their first start in the playoffs in a home game, just 4-13 and 13 against the spread. 3-10 and 10 when they're favored. So that's not good numbers, and I'm not saying that Foles is necessarily any typical rookie, you know, or any typical quarterback making his first start, uh, but obviously the trend not in the Eagles' favor going into this game, Joe. 
No, I like that. Those are good numbers, and I'm especially glad you brought the favorite into it and the home field into it as well, because that gives us a pretty good sample size of what to look at and something that fits the trend for this game. One, one unrelated note, I'm just staring at the odd screen right now. There's finally a movement. Indianapolis got bet down to two at both Cantor and the win here in Las Vegas. So finally some action on somebody. It looks like Kansas City took some money. But back to the Philadelphia game there. Yeah, you're right. It's just another game that we're faced with where we can have our leans, but it's tough to have a strong opinion here. There there are good arguments to be made by both sides. I find it very difficult to get behind New Orleans, having seen all season long how they play outdoors on the road. But I also find it difficult to get behind the Eagles, knowing they haven't really played anyone that great. And also, they're not a team that covers a whole lot of spreads. They find ways to win, but even before Chip Kelly got there, they're a team that just doesn't seem to cover the spread when it happens. And historically, at home they haven't been very good the last few years although they cleaned that up a bit towards the end of the season so again I'll wait to see what this number does maybe I can find some value in the Saints if it gets to three. The last point I'll make on this game is in the NFL or in football in specific I love betting on teams with a better coach the better quarterback and the better defense I think the Saints have all three in this game Uh, I know that they've struggled on the road this year and, and listen they've lost to the Jets on the road they got smoked by the Rams there's some ugly road losses there but this is the playoffs a couple weeks ago we bet against them we took the Carolina Panthers at home the Panthers were lucky to beat the Saints the Saints had that game for the majority uh, uh, they had that one for the majority of the afternoon and that was in a basically a monsoon in Carolina horrible horrible weather so I think New Orleans showed they could play at least defensively in that game Breeze's numbers were also pretty good before Cam Newton led that final drive for the touchdown you know, those factors, coaching, uh, quarterback play, defense, the defense in specific is what leads me to the Saints in this game. Yeah, and you know what? Those are all good points to look at. We look at I look at that a lot in college as well. I'm going to want to take a good coach over a bad coach any day of the week, generally why I, why I fade a guy like Bob Stoops when he's going up <laughs> against a better coach. But um, that's for another podcast. Yeah. I will say this, though. Let me ask you one question. Does it worry you at all that the Saints are 0-5 in the playoffs lifetime on the road and also 1-4 against the number lifetime on the road in the playoffs? I'm not sure about lifetime, but when you take the the recent years into account, so if it's under Sean Payton or with Drew Brees at the helm, then I'll factor it. I'm not going to go back. You know, a lot of trends are, uh, we can talk about trends a lot, and we do that. Uh, We often use them to argue our points, but uh, I've seen all sorts of trends on Twitter and people tweeting me about, you know, trends dating back to the 80s. I don't care about the games in the 80s. I care about now uh, or in recent years. The game has evolved, obviously, and uh, for the Saints with those numbers, if, if it's more recent, then I would agree that that it, that it does have some does hold some weight, uh, but if it's from years past, um, we know with Aaron Brooks under center, then I really don't care about it. I would say this, when it comes to trends, if it's team-related, it's got to be recent, because you're right. Who cares what happens to the Saints back in the 80s? If it's situation-related, I'm willing to go yeah. back further, such as a case where you might have like um, a road team playing a non-conference opponent right. one week before a road game against a divisional opponent. Sometimes I'll go back further in history if it's the situation, but when it's the team, it's the new coaching staff, new players, doesn't mean anything in my opinion. All right, Joe, let's switch gears now to the Sunday games. And uh, the first game, the 1 o'clock game, is probably the game that I have a strongest opinion on this weekend. We have Cincinnati hosting San Diego. Uh, a lot of six and a halfs on the board earlier this week. I'm seeing mostly sevens, if not all sevens right now. The total at 47 in this game. So We talk about this week in and week out, and it seems like I'm beating a dead horse, but I take Cincinnati at home every week for the most part. I took them last week as my top play against Baltimore. They basically gave that game away to the Ravens, and they still smoked Baltimore. Uh, I think this is a short price. With the way Cincinnati's played at home this year, I understand it's the playoffs, and this is a team that doesn't have a lot of uh, playoff experience. 
but the way they've played at home this year, they already went to San Diego on the road and beat them by a touchdown earlier this season. I don't see this being much of a matchup. I think the Bengals pound the Chargers on Sunday. Yep, favorite game of the week, and it's one I, I have a lean and an opinion on, other, unlike the other two games we just talked about. I'm going to be on Cincinnati as well, and I've already got someone down the street at the South Point making a bet for me because there's finally a six and a half on the board, which is hoping I would get it, I would get at some point, uh, seven being a key number. Uh, you hit the nail on the head with all the things you want to talk about with Cincinnati. Um, but I, uh, at home, 8-0 straight up, 8-0 against the spread, winning by an average of 17 points per game. That's number one. That's a huge factor. They were better than Seattle was at home this year. They are the best home team in the National Football League right now. In addition to that, like you said with last week with uh, Baltimore, four turnovers, Andy Dalton looked like crap, and they still won by 17 points. They still found a way to hammer a divisional opponent that, who was in a must-win situation. That's really impressive considering the play out of the quarterback. I think there's a lot of factors you can bring in with San Diego that make the argument even better. Number one, this is San Diego's fifth trip across the country this season. Fifth. They, I, I can't remember if there's a team that's ever had to fly across the country this many times for games in one season. So that's it, five. Number two, it's the early start time on Sunday, a little after 1 Eastern, but that's going to be at 10 a.m. or so uh, Pacific time, which yep. is what their bodies are going to be on. So that's something to keep in mind. Three, when you worry about Andy Dalton, this is a great matchup for him. This is a really bad pass defense. I think they're 23rd or 26th in the league this year. Sharice Wright and the rest of that secondary, outside of Eric Weddle, there aren't any playmakers back there. If you're going to have Andy Dalton in a game you want to win and get his feet wet, this is the perfect matchup for him. I think he'll have no problem taking care of this defense. Maybe he'll make his mistakes that we've come to see, but you know what? Cincinnati's shown the ability to win despite his mistakes, and this is a defense unlike Baltimore and some of the other tougher units he's gone against that he should be able to have some success with when it comes to A.J. Green and the rest of that receiving core that's been dynamite this year. Um, And then the last point on the Chargers, they spilled their guts against the Kansas City team last week to get that win. Now they've got to turn around and get ready for this. They're a gritty team, and Mike McCoy's done a hell of a job getting nine wins out of these guys. But going against this defense, they've only played three top ten defenses all year. One was against Houston in week one, which they lost. They blew a big lead. They should have won it, but they lost. Another one was against the Giants, who I'm not sure how the hell they got in the top ten, mm. probably because they're getting blown out in so many games, everyone stopped putting up points on them. But um, they did hammer the Giants, but that was a Good spot for the Chargers. New York coming all the way across the country for a non-conference game. The other one was against Cincinnati. This is the best defense they have faced all season. The pressure is going to be on Rivers, and it's not going to be easy to make plays. The, 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 the dink and dunk can work if you don't make mistakes, but you've got to be near flawless. So, yeah, this is a good six-point teaser play this week. I'm also going to be on Cincinnati laying the six-and-a-half. There are four games in the NFL this week, and only one of them has a one o'clock start time. How the hell did Roger Goodell allow them to schedule a West Coast team on the road at the one o'clock start time. That makes absolutely no sense to me. I agree with all your points. The Chargers are getting a huge shafting in in the schedule making this weekend, Joe. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I didn't even think of it like that. I just looked at how this could benefit Cincinnati, and you know what? You're right. San Francisco's a West Coast team as well, and I, I can understand putting them in prime time. And I guess it's it's all for TV because you're going to have Chip in New Orleans in prime time on Saturday. But I mean, come on. You're right. In San Diego, you get your way into the playoffs. It's tough enough. You got to go on the road and try to win a game. It's a completely different story sending them on the road for the early start. So that's bad news. One other note, let's revisit this once again. LVH and Cantor once again getting popped on Kansas City. I'm staring at this odds board. LVH has now come down to one and a half. Indianapolis minus one and a half. Cantor's down to one and a half. And the win's still at two. So there's some money coming in the Chiefs as we're talking right now. Yeah, again, I wasn't in love with that game. I could see... I. 
In all honesty, I think three of the game, aside from this game that we're talking about right now, the Bengals and the Chargers, I wouldn't be surprised if either team won any of the other games. You can make solid arguments for both of them, but this Bengals-Chargers game, we talked about you know the Bengals' home field advantage, but look at who they've played at home this year. They beat the Steelers, the Packers, the Patriots, the Colts, the Ravens. They're not beating up on cream puffs at home. They're taking care of business against good teams. They've won their last five home games by an average of 24 points. So for people who say that this line is inflated and Cincinnati shouldn't be favored this much, I completely disagree with that. I do too. Let me ask you a personal question. I've got a 35-1 to ticket on Cincinnati to win the Super Bowl from before the season. No hedge. Do you hedge it in this game or do you let it ride to the next round? Because I'm, I'm thinking about gambling. Um, if, I, if I lose somehow, so be it. But I'm thinking about gambling and not risking any of that bet until next week. I actually wouldn't hedge. I feel very confident in Cincinnati winning at home this week. The only thing that worries me a little bit is, you know, obviously San Diego has proven they can win a big game on the road. They went to Denver and beat the Broncos at home. Very tough to do in this league. But ultimately, uh, it's thirty-five to one. You probably could hedge a little bit, maybe if you want to try to get you know five units back or so on the Chargers. But um, I would go very small on the Chargers if you were looking to hedge. Yeah, you know what? That's the thing. I mean, I, I look at it, and I'm, I'm willing to gamble. I gambled last year. I had Seattle. I grabbed them before their hot run at the end of the year. I had them at like 28-1. to 1. And going into Washington, I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to let this one ride. I think they can win this game, and I'll figure it out next week. And um, that game started really poorly, if you remember. I think they were down like 14 nothing, yep. And I was furious with myself, but they came back and won. And again, I'll kick myself in the ass if I don't do it, and I end up screwing myself. But at the same time, I, I really think they win this game. I think if I'm going to gamble on this, I'm going I'm to I'm going to gamble to get to another week, and then I'll start the hedge process for bigger money next week. I really don't see San Diego winning this game. Yeah, I almost always hedge in situations where I can, unless I'm in love with the other side. And I do really like Cincinnati this week. This would this is not one of those games where I'm I'm just playing it because it's a playoff game and it's there. It's one of those games that if it was in the you know 16 games in the regular season, I would take Cincinnati at, at minus seven in this spot. So uh, I feel fairly confident that they're going to win this game. Yeah, I'm with you. You look at the board, and we're going to talk about all four games. Uh, indecisiveness on both of our parts for the first two, but I think I, I knew you were going to feel this way because you and I got on this Cincinnati home trend about midway through the season and wrote it out to great results, and I don't think there's any reason to get off it now. All right, Joe, let's move on to the final game of the week. We got the 4.30 Eastern time start on Sunday afternoon, the 49ers and the Packers. Now, this one's a very interesting one for me because um, I have you know conflicting views on this game. On one hand, I think the 49ers match up very well with the Packers. We've seen this in the last couple of years. We saw them eliminate them from the playoffs last year. Uh, we saw week one in the regular season this year, Colin Kaepernick threw for 400 yards. San Fran's a very physical football team, and Green Bay isn't. So I think San Fran matches up very well with them. But on the other hand, I look at the line... And I see San Fran laying two and a half. And I don't agree with that line at all. I thought Green Bay should open up as the favorite in this game. I think they should be favored in this game with Rodgers back in the lineup. You look at Green Bay at home in recent years. Very dominant home team. You look at week one earlier in the year. Uh, I believe there were three-point favorites in that game against San Francisco. Not a ton has changed since then. These are very similar teams. Now, granted, no Clay Matthews and no Jermichael Finley for the Green Bay Packers. But uh, Mike, uh, Matthews is a big loss, but probably doesn't affect the spread all that much. I think there's line value with Green Bay. I'm just very hesitant to play it because they've been basically obliterated by the 49ers in recent years. 
Yeah, it's like taking the Eagles last week. We, we talked about that um, at the end of the podcast last week. You know, they, they probably should have been the favorite against Orton and the Cowboys, but a touchdown, six and a half, that was far too many. My power numbers didn't suggest that. I know yours didn't either. Uh, it was an inflated line. That's what we're seeing here as well. Granted, San Francisco's the better football team. Um, I'm not going to argue against that, but you've got to be kidding me laying two and a half on the road at Green Bay. This is going to be sub-zero temperatures. Yep. You got Aaron Rodgers back, and he knocked some of the rust off last week. Um, I, I don't like. I don't agree with the line at all. That being said, just as you mentioned, I don't know if I can get behind Green Bay in this game. They've got a defense that's given up 26 or more points in nine of their last ten games, and that unit will be without Clay Matthews. So I look at that and I say, Colin Kaepernick, the weak link of the 49ers this year, which I didn't think would be the case. This is an opportunity for him to roll up some points and to spread his wings a little bit. Defensively, San Francisco has the formula for how you can limit a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Generally pressure with the front three or four without blitzing and drop the rest of the guys in the coverage. We saw the Giants do it at Lambeau a few weeks years ago against the Packers on their road to uh, winning the Super Bowl against New England. And we've seen it happen before with this San Francisco team. You can't beat the elite quarterbacks, Breeze, Brady, Manning, um, Rodgers, by blitzing nonstop and leaving the back end open. We saw it happen in the Bears game last week. Yep. Cover zero, man coverage in the final play, all out blitz. Rodgers had found the open man down the field. Bingo, bango, Green Bay's in the playoffs. Chicago's going home, um, and, and it's going to be the same situation here. You've got to be able to cover in the back end and generate pressure with the front four. San Francisco can do that, so I really wish this line was you know, maybe a pick em. I, I would say at worst. I, I can't see them. I really don't agree with San Francisco laying two and a half, but I understand why, because they're a public team. The state of Nevada borders California. A lot of those Niner fans infiltrate our borders. They hit Reno. They hit Las Vegas. They dump a ton of money down. So for me, again, we're, you know we're suckers if we're playing San Francisco because we're not getting a, a good number at all, but it's tough to play Green Bay. You're getting a good number, but do you really think they stack up in this game? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the public angle as well, because the first three games we talked about, they're pretty 50-50 split down the middle. Yep. This is the one game where San Fran's taking a lot more action. It's it's pretty close to a 70% consensus consensus consensus, excuse me, on the 49ers in this matchup. And one other thing to look at is this is the final NFL game of the week. This is the one that's going to be the most heavily bet because it's going to be the bailout game. It's going to be people... <laughs> it, people I hate are, that term. I've been involved in that game too many times in my life. Yeah, but it, 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 it's, it's there and it happens all the time. It's why Sunday night football takes in so much action because people lose their money during the day for the most part and they're probably going to lose on Saturday, you know, Saturday's games and Sunday in the early day. And then they're going to be looking to Sam Fran uh, on, on that Sunday 4.30 game. And that's, that makes me very hesitant. We've seen this a lot this year on Sunday Night Football. And um, I almost blindly take the you know, anti-public play on Sunday Night Football as I did last week with Dallas because it's been so profitable in recent years. The books are not going to get hammered on this game. I, think, I really think you're going to get some good value with Green Bay come 4.30 on, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that's a great point. You're right. It's the bailout game from what looks to be a very tough weekend. Unless the public's all over the favorites in every game and the favorites go out there and handle their business in every game, like we've seen in some of these bowl games, um, you're going to have people bailing out on that game. You're exactly right. And they're going to look to bail out on San Francisco. So the question is, where does this line go? Maybe you grab San Fran right now at two and a half, and if somehow this thing gets through three, three and a half, you can try to middle it uh, right on the number three. I know that's a ridiculous notion to think, but if you want to have some action on this game, that might be the play, considering we're not all that thrilled about either side. So if we could get a three-point middle just risking some juice, perhaps, uh, or not a three-point middle, but a middle, middle on three. three. Yep. 
perhaps that's uh, something worth considering. But as of right now, you're, it's tough. I'm with you on this. It's very tough for me to figure out who to take because I don't want to lay points with San Francisco on the road in that environment, but I can't get behind Green Bay. I'll tell you this. As far as the Packers are concerned in this game, if I'm playing Green Bay right now, there's no way I'm taking the 2.5. I'm playing the money line at, at plus 130, yeah. uh, which is available because 2.5, it's basically, listen, we've seen numbers fall on 1 and 2. We saw it last week. I laid 2.5 points at the Vikings. They beat the Lions by what it happens we do see it happen in the league uh, but ultimately uh, you know you're getting 35 cents of value taking the Packers on the money line in this game I don't see it falling between one and two all that often I get it if it moves up to three sure take the Packers plus three but at two and a half I'm playing the money line instead of the spread in this game yeah, good call, especially with that offense. That's what you'd want to figure. Um, that would probably be what I'd be doing as well. I, I wouldn't play the two and a half. I'd wait to see the number get through three, three and a half, and I'd take the Packers, or I'm going ahead and playing the money line. But you're right, I'm not taking the two and a half points. Play it to win it if you're going to play it at that number. All right, Joe, uh, I'll put you on the spot here. Gun to your head. Uh, what would be your favorite play out of each of the four games this weekend? Well, uh, Cincinnati, but do you want to know who it would be yeah, after that? If, uh, let's say, okay, we know Cincinnati. Both me and you are on Cincinnati. I think it's our top play this weekend. So yeah. uh, let's say in the other three games, uh, give me a play in every game if you had to play it. If I have to play it, oh, man, I'm looking at these, and I would say I'd take Philadelphia. That would be number two. I'd lay the ha- two and a half with them. I really think that Minnesota loss was huge for this team, and I think they're going to come back and play well. It's tough for me to get behind New Orleans, having seen what they did on the road, because I could see myself betting them and then sitting there watching them play like crap on the road. <laughs> and then I say to myself, I've seen this. Why the hell did I bet it? So Philadelphia would be number two. Um, I would probably look to the under in Green Bay, San Francisco. I, I think Kaepernick, despite the fact that he's going to be going against a shakier defense, I really don't see him rolling up a lot of points. I see San Francisco's defense doing nicely against Rodgers. I, I see that being a low-scoring game. Open 48, now it's down as low as 46. There are some 47s out there in Vegas. Um, maybe I wait till Sunday and hope the public pushes that up. But I would say in that game, if I had to make a play, I'd go with the under. And then Kansas City, Indianapolis... Oh, man. I, I mean, I wanted to say Indy. Now I see the, the early movement coming against them. I don't know what the hell to do there. I'll, the initial gut instinct, I'll go over on that game. One thing we didn't talk about with that game, Indy and KC, is uh, Indy did beat KC earlier in the year, and I don't have the trend on me, but I did look it up earlier this week, and teams that do lose in the regular season tend to rebound in the postseason. That also applies to San Diego-Cincinnati as well, which scares me a little bit. Uh, Something just to to be aware of. I don't know how much it's going to affect the outcome, and there's a pretty small sample size in recent years, but um, if I'm going on the other three games, I don't like any of the totals. Uh, I would lean to sides I lean to Indianapolis New Orleans and I would lean to Green Bay I would say Green Bay would probably be my uh, second favorite play of the week which is sad because I don't like them at all Um, uh, (laughs) well you know what it's value though when you're looking at three games that you don't like at all and you've got a gun in your head you've got to make a pick there's one game out there that's giving you some value when the other ones aren't so yeah I'd agree with that yeah, it's it's a tough week. Hopefully, we get we're gonna get four more games next week. Uh, hopefully, we get some inflated lines with those teams coming off the buys. That tends to happen year year in and year out. I've already been looking ahead to matchups that I would possibly take advantage of, uh, and I'm I'm hoping that New Orleans somehow gets matched up with Seattle. And I'll do something that people don't think I'll do, but I'll take New Orleans if they do get matched up with Seattle next week because I can guarantee that that line will be inflated through the roof because of what Seattle did to New Orleans on Monday night football earlier this year. Uh, So that's something I'm really hoping for next week is a Saints-Seahawks matchup. 
All right, let's think of it like this. New Orleans looks decent and beats Philadelphia. Let's call it a good game. We're not going to call it a New Orleans blowout because that would kind of hurt the number a little bit, and it's unlikely to happen, just like a Philadelphia blowout's unlikely to happen. So say it's a good football game and New Orleans wins. What do you release that number next week? Well, it, what, it, it's tough. I, what, what do I release the number as, or what do I think it's going to be released as? What do, what, okay, what do you think the number's going to be? I think it'll be 10. Seattle. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I mean, last time it went from like four to six and a half, seven. I, and, and after what happened, plus the, plus the addition of rest, yeah, I don't think you can go anywhere other than 10. Uh, good thing for us, history shows that last time these two got together in a playoff game in Seattle, the line was 10 there as well, although it was going right, the other right, way. Right, the other way. I remember that one. Oh, that was the most ridiculous point spread, I think, in the history of the NFL. I was on the wrong side of that. that <laughs> editor's note, I was on the wrong side of that. I was like, yeah, no problem. New Orleans is going to go up there and kill Seattle. They're 7-9, and nine, they suck. And I, they got off to like a 10 nothing start. So I remember just looking at the afternoon game, figuring out how I was going to spend my winnings. And then sure enough, uh, Marshawn Lynch, Lynch caused an earthquake. earthquake. <laughs> yeah, and before you know it, I, was, uh, I, I looked like a complete asshole laying double digits on the road in the playoffs. Uh, well, it happens. Uh, I, I've, yeah. I've been on some of those plays this year. I did play the Jaguars, I believe, three times in the first four weeks this year. So I know exactly <laughs> what it feels like to be a jackass. Uh, yeah. Joe, as always, a pleasure breaking it down. Uh, I'm glad we're on the same top play this week. Good luck with the uh, the Bengals play, and we'll, we'll do this again next week. Sounds great, Rob. Let's try to cash some tickets and bring it back next week for the divisional round. All right, perfect. That's Joe Fornbaugh of the National Football Post. This has been the Nickel Package. It's Week 18, the first round of the playoffs, the wild card round. I'm Rob Pozzola. Good luck with your plays this weekend. For even more of the best picks in football this week, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Rob Pizzola and at Joe Fortenbaugh.